Hey guys, it's Rachel Silver Cohen. And today on Unpolished Therapy, Dr. Boca and I are breaking down all the unpolished wreckage about this season's and just like that. We hope you'll enjoy. Tune in and listen up. What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey everyone, it's Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca from Unpolished Therapy. Hello, DB. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I am good. I love our conversations. Me too. Me too. And I'm really excited about this one. So I want to get right into it. So I have been waiting, like, I think it's 11 weeks. I don't remember how many episodes there were, but I've been waiting 11 weeks to break down the wreckage of And Just Like That because I have always been such a fan. And I started this season and I wasn't sure how this was going to all go. So I am looking forward to hearing what you have to say and what our listeners have to say about this because I have some mixed feelings. First of all, I give you credit for sitting on the sidelines and holding back for 11 weeks because that's not typically you. I know, and it's Even patience. though you, know, you are the advice of this audacious and advice duo, you don't sit on the sidelines on anything. So I give you credit for reserving, holding back, and kind of Thank waiting you. until you saw the whole season through. So bravo to you. Selfishly, I'm happy that you did wait because I just caught up now. And I guess it is fun to sort of do the whole big recap now. My mm-hmm. concern is, I don't want to throw you under the bus, but you along with me, I think it's fair to say our memory is not that <laughs> polished. Very true. Very so true. let's give each other grace out of Absolutely. the gate. Okay. And I'm sure our listeners don't want to listen to every nitty gritty detail. No, they big themes. want the broad strokes and the big themes. So maybe we're in the clear on it. So with that being said, I think that the first place we should start is probably at a place that was never really part of the sex in the city as we knew it to be back in the day, which was the whole Shay Diaz and the transgender and the he, she, we, me, itty bitty, you know, they (laughs) and and eeny, meeny, miny, mo, right? (laughs) So for me, while I understand that we have to move with the cheese and keep up with the times and so on and so forth. Initially, it was a little bit like, oh God, here we go again. Even Sex and the City, Darren Starr, Candace Bushnell, you mm-hmm. know, all of that, they're jumping on the woke wagon mm-hmm. a little bit. And I guess we have to embrace it because we have to meet them where they are. Right. But it goes back to kind of what we were talking about with Barbie right? A couple of episodes ago, it was like, I was so excited to jump in and watch this. I've been living in this world for, gosh, it's got to be almost 20 years at this point, if not longer. More. Yeah. Yes. And I was late to the game for Sex in the City initially. And I sometimes just want to get away from the realities of life. And so I felt like There was so much thrown at us in the early episodes of this that I was almost going to say, hey, I just can't. It's too much. It was like, let's throw in every single token issue that's going out and around. Yes, I agree with you on that. 
But at the same time, you know, and it's fun with us because sometimes even if I agree with you, it, it's kind of more fun if sometimes we take opposing sides just to kind of see the big picture. Sure. Right? And yes. even though we as a society know sex and the city as we knew it to be, right? Mm-hmm. Young, up and coming New York City gals who were finding their way right? Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that as they've grown up, we've grown up too. And they aren't those people anymore, or seemingly so. They've evolved in their own way. And it's not like it was like sex in the Ozarks, (laughs) right? It it was the city. It was the city. You're right. That's a good point. And part of me feels as though I agree with you that they took all the woke you know, 10 pounds of woke and they tried to shove it in a three pound bag of woke. And we're just, everyone's so woke that it's almost ridiculous. But at the same time, they are trying to keep up with the here and now. So I wonder if they were doing this reboot in the first place, what would they be talking about really? If the characters in and of themselves have grown up and grown up as defined by the number of years since when sex and the city ended. You follow? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I do. And I guess the part that is so interesting to me is there was no pushback against that part of it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, because my memory started to lapse. And once I got into it and accepted that I was going to continue to watch it in spite or despite of all of this, that content, I kind of just enjoyed the ride, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. tried not to pick it apart. But I just felt like there was no pushback against all the wokeism that was coming in. And it was just the acceptance and roll with the punches of the wokeism. And just being in the world that I work in professionally, there are struggles when your child, like Charlotte's child, right, starts to change pronouns or start identifying certain ways. And I think that actually happened at the end of last season, but how it's kind of evolved and gone into modeling and whatever, or how the whole Shay and Miranda thing went. I mean, yeah, Steve was hurt and he was kind of like, what's going on here? But like, there was no pushback against it, right? It was just like blind acceptance, I guess. Mm. Um, And maybe those are two bad examples. I don't know. I haven't really thought it through, but I just felt like It was, we have to all accept it. We as the listeners and the watchers had to kind of jump on board because life has moved in that world. And I'm not saying yay or nay, that's not my job here, but it was just interesting how there wasn't a lot of pushback against it. And I respect your opinion. What jogs my memory, and maybe it is because this is New York City focused, right? Right. And sometimes we say, is life imitating art or is art imitating life, right? Mm -hmm. So in my world, I have a very good friend who is raising children in New York City and is very open, if Mm -hmm. you will, to all different walks of life and all different schools of thought and has young children. And we were having a conversation about not only divorce, but then about couples or friends of their children whose parents are either bisexual Mm -hmm. or gay, lesbian, whatever. And 
in the course of the conversation, when she was trying to convey a message to the kids, these kids who are being raised, born and bred in New York City, because of our generation of like, oh my God, we have to have like this important conversation and and how is it going to be received? The kids were like, oh yeah, pass the salt. Like, right. It's not a big, does it matter? Mm -hmm. And it isn't a big deal. And, And those are real life scenarios that in a way I do tip my hat to the writers that they are making it just this, this is, is life it. now and, right, and we're all it. cool. And I guess to some degree, because it is a show and we have to package it up in a bow in 36 minutes, right? right? It has to land a certain way where we're seeing the arc of here's how it is. Here's what the issue is. Now we're going to try resolve to resolve it. it. And then boom, commercial roll credits. Sure. Everyone's happy again. I appreciate that. And I see it both ways. I just, you know, as the realist that I am, and I've always, you know, I try to put it out there, you know, as I work with parents who may or may not have grown up in the city, but they're currently not living in the city now, if I have worked with them, right? Mm Because I'm not living in a city, but these topics come up in their lives and it's not so black or white. And oh my God, we're jumping on the bandwagon. There's a process of coming to acceptance, struggling, Mm -hmm. all the deeper processes that come at you. And it's not just the individual who is experiencing it, it's the surrounding people. And so I just felt like some of that wasn't really focused on. And maybe again, because it's in the city, I don't know, but it's not just... uh, What I'm going to say though, and I'm going to call you out on something and I'm I'm like loving this right now, is that back to your point about sometimes after your long days and your serious work that you do, sometimes you just want to be an observer. You just want to watch a show for entertainment. And maybe just that feeling is what you're getting from a show like this that isn't showing you every little nuance about, well, how is this going to be received and how is that going to be received? And and, sure. and maybe sometimes we just, we have to accept it for what it is. I mean, do you think that I was appreciative or not appreciative of the episode where Charlotte was having a nervous breakdown because her daughter took all of the designer clothes <laughs> in her closet and like you either know. gave it away or right, sold it can... on the real reel or whatever. And now Charlotte in her little, you know, with a pull up her ass, which look, call it what it is. I may get some hate for this, but the Charlotte character in mm-hmm. and of itself was always my least favorite. I just felt like she was so over the top in sure. her prim and proper that mm-hmm. it just rubbed you the wrong way. It was so un- me the wrong- unapologetically well, polished, right? It yeah, was like- but I think more so because someone like a Carrie Bradshaw or a Samantha Jones, like I feel like they would have lost their patience with a real Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And 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 some of it is funny and whatever, but to make a whole production and to roll into Madison Avenue and, and stomp her feet, you know, saying that, that she, she wants, wants the Chanel, Chanel whatever back, <laughs> which back. like, you know what, like we've all been there where we bought our kids things that are way more expensive than we ever should have spent. We knew they were going to outgrow it, but we wanted it in the moment. And it's sort of like really Really? What are you going to put it in a shadow box and frame it? Like, who gives a shit? Like that to me was just kind of silly, in mm. my opinion. Well, and I don't disagree with that. You know, again, I'm not an extreme person when it comes to this. So I felt like that was like the counter extreme in the, it was such a knock on the wealthy. Yeah. That's like their biggest issue. Yeah. Like you have yeah. to go back and get your Chanel dress or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, we're trying to promote acceptance and kindness, right? And we're trying to promote that differences are okay, but differences across the board should be okay. And that's that's like my biggest issue. It's just, I think that we have to 
look at the differences, and then not just hone in on the trend. I, I hate to use the word trendy differences, but as you were mm-hmm. calling like the more woke things right. at the right. expense of creating a character like Charlotte. I know that she was created 25 years ago, but mm-hmm. really honing in on what sounds so frivolous and obnoxious and, you know, highfalutin. That's all. Yeah. I mean, and again, yeah. it's entertainment and I, that's why I continue to watch it. And, but it's not so unlike your opinion on the Barbie thing. You know, it's sometimes that gets in the way when you're really just trying to get out of the conflicts and the realities that are coming at us 24 seven. So I, I do appreciate that part of, of what you were saying that like, wouldn't it be nice not to look at the hiccups along the way, mm-hmm. but those hiccups, and you would say this, Rach, in other episodes, those hiccups are what the the people are looking for, is mm-hmm. to realize that it's not just perfect, and it mm-hmm. doesn't just happen that way. That's what I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I, and I'm just yeah. playing devil's advocate. Yeah, because- no, I get it. And, and when you said that, the first thing that came to my mind, and, you know, we bring it back to our, you know, heroine, if you will, or our, you know, lead character here with Carrie wow. Bradshaw in the sense that we're not seeing, obviously, yes, we're still seeing amazing clothes and style and shoes and hair and, and all that great stuff, but we are seeing her discovery of life after loss sure. and this big loss of her husband that it took her 10 plus years to even get Get. her quote unquote real. Mm -hmm. Right. And how she is rising from the abyss Mm -hmm. again. Right. And I felt as though they did it in, in my opinion, again, which is, you know, isn't worth its weight in gold for that matter. They did it in a way that I felt was sensitive while also being entertaining. Yes. Um, I agree with that. The couple episodes where there were some guys that definitely had her attention and vice versa. And she was kind of down with like, you know what? Thursdays are good for me. Yeah. You know, I don't think I want anything more than that. And, you know, the struggle, I guess, even though, again, they cleaned it up nicely in one episode where they parted ways because the guy wanted more and she didn't and she just wasn't ready. And I love that. And and the episode where she was doing one of her, you know, classic Carrie Bradshaw speaking engagements where she Mm -hmm. was reading from her book that she wrote about the death of her husband and the vulnerability pull because she wasn't funny and someone else was funny and she was having her own struggle. And I thought that was really that I loved that I loved. And because it's the, that exact piece of it that you gravitated towards, it was the vulnerability and they kind of skipped over some of the vulnerability and some of the more woke topics. I absolutely think they did. Darren Star did a fabulous job or Candace Bushnell, whichever, both together. They Mm -hmm. did a fabulous job with Carrie coming through the grieving process. But what was interesting to what you just said, and I'm just thinking about this now, I was not, I don't watch these shows and always analyze that to our listeners. Mm -hmm. Like I do have a little bit of a life outside of analyzing (laughs) shows like therapy. But what was interesting is it was totally fine for Carrie and very proudly to put her boundary up and say, I don't want to, I only want to see you on Thursday. I'm not ready for the relationship. Yet in society, when the man does that, Mm. right? Oh my God, what a jerk. What an ass, you know, like whatever, you know, word you want to come up with. It's just interesting, right? It was, it goes back again to the Barbie thing. Like we're applauding that right? Because that's what we want. But 
look what it, you know, it just isn't the same both ways. And so I don't know. I just, it's a theme that just keeps coming up and I am pointing it out, not judging it as a, as a mm-hmm. bad or a good, it was just an interesting point. Yeah. Well, you know, you keep bringing up Barbie and then that leads me to think that this ensemble and the show in general, even from back in the day when they were young single women up and coming in in New York City, the common theme is about this empowerment and being strong. And in this case, particular, seeing the evolution of for, you know, again, we're not going to go through each one, but like Charlotte of, you know, where the hell is my Prince Charming? And where is he already? I'm exhausted to now Mm -hmm. how she, you know, got the guy. And I mean, who doesn't love Harry? He's like the most delicious. Although, oh my gosh. Husband ever, but he's the best. Okay. I love Harry. I have always loved Harry. And I might've even said this previously, but at one point, somebody stopped my husband when we were in New York and he was getting into a a black car and, you know, like the the olden days when we didn't have Ubers and someone goes, oh my God, oh my God, it's you, it's you. And, and, And he's like, I don't know who you think I am, but I assure you, it's not actually me. And they're like, no, 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 you're Charlotte's husband in Sex and the City. He goes, I don't know who Charlotte is. I don't know what Sex in the City is, but there used to be, and you know my husband, there was a resemblance, a physical. Mm-hmm. So he comes back to me. He's like, who's Charlotte? What's Sex in the City? And who is her husband? And we turn it on. He goes, oh, I can see that. Right? Go, oh, oh my God. Right? I never even put that together. But right. I mean, but in Harry, this yeah. current episode, yeah. he doesn't look like this current season. He doesn't yeah. look anything like it. He has lost a considerable amount of weight. Well, and he's evolved too. Yes, you know? they've all evolved in their own way, which is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and listen, Harry aside, who, you know, I adore him, but back to the whole women thing, you know, this idea that these women have evolved and probably back when they were younger, they, they were evolving, you know, ahead of their time per se. And now here they are as all accomplished, you know, older women. And we see, you know, I mean, Miranda, in my opinion, that was a hard character for me to to see even back in the day. I just couldn't really identify with her. And now, I mean, she's all over the place. But, you know, the Seema character who was kind of like the Samantha replacement and and her evolution. And of course, the new character, Lisa, Lisa, coming in, who is this powerhouse and has this you know, big career, but also has a wonderful husband and kids. And, and I do think that there's no way that we, as the audience, we're not supposed to have takeaways of being a woman who can have it all right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, maybe not all right. That like, like for instance, Carrie, can finally get her husband, right? Mm-hmm. And and have the love of her life and so on and so forth. But then she can't, can't. anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So now she has the money and she has the status that she's always wanted as a writer and so on and so forth, but she doesn't have the husband. I mean, she's a whole nother character in, in and of itself. But even with Seema, right? She's this big real estate to the stars, but yet her struggle is she doesn't know how to be vulnerable to your point and open up and have a relationship, right? Charlotte, we find out she's she's a wonderful wife and mom, but then she goes through her own metamorphosis of mm-hmm. like, wait a second, I need more than that. What happened to my career? Right. And it's interesting because before I even knew where you were going with all of that, I'm thinking the one thing that I took away from this is they've all evolved, yet what we see is they're still 
those vulnerabilities and those insecurities that they carry with them that have either changed or were consistent over the 25 years and how common that is in our society. That piece of it, I think so many people can relate to is that you look like you have it all, but, mm-hmm. right? What is that but? And that's what people in, uh, you know, in their 50s kind of come to. They, they, they realize that like, okay, I have a great life, but, right? Mm-hmm. There's something that's unfulfilling or there's something that's missing or there's still a fear that's getting in the way of my life or there's still a vulnerable spot that I have and it's still playing out in my relationships and how do I move past that and how do I let my wall down or how do I take all those bad experiences that have happened to me and face them now so that I can work through it to become my authentic self. And it is such a pivotal point in when people get into their late 40s, early 50s, wherever they're at at this point, that is the almost the developmental stage at that point. They're like kind of looking at themselves and saying, yeah, okay, everyone thinks my life is so good, but, and it's that but that I get to see in therapy. Yeah. And even, you know, what about the character? She's a newer character, but I do feel mm-hmm. that by the end of the season, she she played a significant role, yep. which was Naya, yep. who was the professor at Columbia, yep. who from a career standpoint was you know, holier it. than thou and just killing it. And at every turn, her career was just escalating and escalating and escalating. And yet in the midst of all of that, her marriage was completely falling apart. And then she was on her own journey from a personal standpoint. Now I am here to say, and this doesn't happen often. So listen up. I was wrong about something really wrong about something. And that doesn't happen often. I know. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, buckle up. I had predicted. Okay. And it was from, it wasn't from the earlier episodes of this season. It was more towards the latter end, but I had predicted, I had seen something. There was a twinkle. There was a look. I thought that when Miranda and Shay called it quits, mm-hmm. oh yes, Me was too. living with Naya, and I know yes. that was just temporary, just because she needed a place to hang her hat. I thought they'd that wind the up together. Two of them had a thing. There was this sexual chemistry. They certainly had, you know, intellectual chemistry. Sure. And I was like, I'll be damned. This is what's going to happen now. They and they were both at one point as characters heterosexual women for completely different reasons end up leaving their husbands and they're going to be together. I thought the same thing. Yeah. So good. All right. I'm glad I'm not that far off, but you know, spoiler alert to the listeners out there, that's not what happened (laughs) or at least (laughs) yet, I should say. You never know. And and I don't even know if there's going to be another season. I have no idea, but I too agree that they wanted us to, I think, go down that road. There was a, there was a cinematographic there was, that's something. A word. there was something cinematography Lee. I don't uh-huh. think that's a word either. I'm I trying know, that's really, your pretend word. Right? I'm trying to come up with the word. But from a they were trying to get you to think that. Oh, well, now I'm pissed that that I like think. they got me. Like I thought that was just me who was like, ooh, my radar is up. No. And I sense something happening here. No, no. I thought yeah. it too. So maybe we're okay. we're two special people. I don't or, know. Other people were thinking, so our listeners, please chime in if you two were going to go down that path and we're like, oh, no, that didn't work. So can we talk about the elephant in the room? I know. I was going to say, like, I mean, are we going to get to the entree here? Yeah, like I want to. I mean, okay. So it's obviously, I mean, it's obviously Carrie and Aiden. 
And their whole reuniting and it feels so good, you know, that whole process and how it kind of evolved and what transpired and then how it kind of, you know, didn't evolve, I guess. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. I mean, as far as we know, right? as far as we know, and if we're going to dive into this now, which I mean, this definitely is obviously a hot topic here. I think we have to start from the beginning of this topic Mm -hmm. when Carrie had, and I'm going to use this word, but the audacity Mm. to say that she thinks big was a mistake. Yeah, that was was big. And I was big. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that she said that. Nope. I'll tell you why, but I want to know what you thought first. Well, I think it's like everything I always say, you know, every experience that we have in our life takes us someplace. And I think that to look back on any relationship and say it was a mistake is really, you know, it's Monday morning quarterbacking. And I don't think we can do that in relationships. I think we have to look at a relationship in its totality and what we've taken from it and how we've grown in it or what was lacking in it and then move forward and we find our next person because of going through that process. By the way, you know, to our listeners, Anyone who knows me knows that like big is, I love big for all the wrong reasons, all the right reasons. Like I've always been a big fan of big, right? (laughs) And so, I mean, I was devastated, devastated at the beginning of, uh, or the end of last season or whenever it was. And so to me, I just, when she said that, like I got really angry and defensive towards the idea that it could possibly be a mistake. So what's your take on it? So I did too. And not necessarily because I loved Big so much, even though I did. And I I was always rooting for them. But I was mad that she said that because, well, first, the shock value of it all, that I just never thought that I would ever hear her utter those words. But she really didn't substantiate as to why. I mean, other than the fact that he dropped dead, like, what was the mistake? It came full circle. He loved you. You loved him. You had happy and, and you were happy. So again, like, I'm, I'm just not sure what about it was a mistake. They knew neither one of them were going to have children. They were okay with that. They were living this, you know, seemingly New York City, hoity-toity lifestyle that they had always wanted to. They seemed very much in love from the episodes prior to his death. And I was annoyed because it's sort of like, I mean, aren't you happy that you had love and you lost Lost. it Mm -hmm. as opposed to never having had it? before. And that leads me to the whole Aiden thing. Right. And that's where, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Step on your toes. And and I'm going to say my feeling, and I feel strongly about this, why she is now so into Aiden and really having nothing to do with if she really does love him or not, because, because maybe she does, but, but the whole mistake piece. And now that she's so invested and maybe it should have been Aiden all along, I beg to differ with that because if she and big never had had their quote unquote real shot and she had, and I don't want to use the word settle as we, as women know it to be like, Oh, I settled for him or I settled for her, but settled down with the Aiden character. Mm-hmm. I am telling you, you are that right. she always would have been looking over yep. her shoulder. Where's Aiden? Where's Aiden? I mean, where's big? Big, big, yeah. big? Where's big? She and would always wonder. What, 
Yeah, that's what pisses me off. If she and Aiden ever were to have a shot, and maybe they will, maybe they won't, big dying essentially had to happen for Aiden and Carrie to have a shot at an Aiden and Carrie. Do you agree or disagree? Absolutely, 100%. And it took away that understanding, right? It took away the appreciation that in order to get where you are, you have to go through some of those experiences. And quite frankly, like it was so uncarried like to throw that out. And I just couldn't believe, like you said, it wasn't followed up with anything. And I was disappointed and mad for, mad. I was mad about it. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you a question, and this is the perfect time to remind our listeners, this is not real therapy. We want to protect Dr. Boca's license. But what I'm going to ask you, Dr. Boca, in a non-therapy therapy therapy fashion Mm -hmm. is, do you think in that moment, Carrie said that because she's still, or at the time, still processing the grief, still processing the loss, still trying to understand who she is in this world now, absent of big. And then all of a sudden, after all these years of Aiden not on her radar, here comes something from her past that was, and here's the big word here, that familiarity of comfort and safety and and protection and someone who she knew what it was and she yep. knew what she had and she just completely got caught up in the shoulda coulda woulda but I didn't and now look and oh my god and blah 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 I mean kind of answering my own question but the answer do you think ask. it was it <laughs> right like that it just she didn't even know what she was saying and like should we be giving her the benefit of the doubt cuz like I don't want to be mad at Carrie Bradshaw so I don't I, I wasn't mad at her. I was just mad at the idea that it I was I was mad just because I I was defensive for him, right? And but I absolutely agree. What what happens in grieving and and when Karen was on, we talked about this and I always say this to my patients, when you are grieving, you should never make any huge life decisions in the, you know, one or two years post grief. I mean, they'll say one year and I'll say, go, go farther out to two. And I mean, like real life decisions. And this is a big one, you know, like I'm going to go back into a relationship with somebody that I used to love after I just lost my love of my life, or so we think, who has kids. I mean, it was, there was so much about Aiden, the way that they ended, the fact that he wouldn't go into her apartment, the trauma associated with all of that, that she got caught up with, I'm alone. And this is that vulnerability piece, right? There's that, I don't want to be without love again. I tried to push him away, the not the guy that was like the Thursday guy, right? I tried mm-hmm. to push him away or people would want her and she like had one date or whatever it was. And I tried to push them away. And then Aiden comes back, who was, like you said, familiar, a savior. It was like the, the knight in shining armor and everything that transpired between them previously And even what was happening currently, she was not present for, you know, even though it looked like she was having and they were having these deep conversations, things were happening the way he wanted. I mean, she literally gave up her apartment, the apartment that she went back to after Big Pass. That was like the love, the safe zone, the place that she needed to be. She gave it up because he was holding on to the trauma of his past with her and couldn't get into her world and see what that apartment was for her, right? So even that in and of itself speaks to the fact that 
in my opinion, Carrie got jumped into something so fast, not thinking about Aiden has kids. Carrie didn't want kids, mm-hmm. right? That, that ship had kind of passed. And now he had, what is it? Three kids in a different state, not in a city on a farm. I mean, and, what yeah, and still the country bumpkin, even right. though he looks great and, you know, but he's what easy part on of the this, eyes. Right. And, but um, I think Big's cuter. But anyway, but what about that screams Carrie Bradshaw? Well, other than the safety and the familiarity exactly. of someone who at the time thought she was the end-all, be-all. And guess what? Back in the day, the conundrum, if Big was not in the picture, right? who knows, even if they were together, if that marriage would have blown up because she would have outgrown him or she would have been bored or he would have been pushing to have children or leave the city. I mean, I'm making this up, but that's where my head goes, that they're not really that well-suited. The only thing that suits them well now is the fact that they can latch on to the familiar feeling. And I'm not saying that that's not a beautiful thing to feel, but I don't think that there's longevity in that. And it's oftentimes common, and we usually see that later in life when people lose somebody or their true love, that Mm -hmm. they don't ever want to replace that true love. They want to find somebody that's familiar or an old friend that they've known their entire life, and they develop a partnership. But Carrie was not on board with that. She lusted for Aiden at this point, and Aiden lusted or perceived to be lusting for her. But again, when we jump into things so quickly after such a huge loss, it's oftentimes because it's meeting some kind of unmet need or a need that that person lost because of the lost love and they're trying to hold on or replace it with something. And a lot of times during grief, as Karen spoke about and we've spoken about, you are not in your right mind, looking at all the nuances and the red flags. Because let me tell you, there were a lot of red flags, in my opinion, what with what Aiden was presenting to her. And I was kind of like screaming to myself, Carrie, wake up, Carrie, wake up, wake up, Carrie. Like, you are a smart woman. Mm-hmm. And without this grief, you might have a different reaction to what's going on. Yeah. I, for me, I mean, the second he said he had three kids, to me, that was the kiss of death. Because that's not Carrie. Oh, I just knew that there's no way this thing can pan out the way that it's written in the stars when sh- the last thing that I would think of with her is being a mother, let alone a stepmother. Mm-hmm. And, in the country. On the one hand, and, and then on the other hand, Aiden, um, for him... At the end, like it, you know, he did say something beautiful, which which I was sensitive to when he said, you know, I'm not going to lose you again, you know, but mm-hmm. you got to give me time. And we 10 years was in the blink of an eye. And now, you know, give me five years. And that's, you know, less than a, the blink of an eye. On the one hand, like I get it because life is just moving so quickly. But on the other hand, it just to me, it didn't make sense that like if you guys don't want to miss that shot. Okay, Mm -hmm. but you know how valuable and precious life is. Number one, I think it was, it doesn't make sense to me that in today's world, right? On the one hand, we're talking about woke and a sexual revolution that we all have to be open and and hip with. And we're talking about, you know, MILFs in episodes Mm -hmm. and we're talking about pop brownies and we're talking about, you know, being a mother and and going out in a snowstorm and buying your kid condom. I mean, some of that is like, it's so now that like, now we're going to regress back. And Aiden's like, look, I can't have a girlfriend while I'm also being a parent. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And And there was no me saying that when, you know, I'm so like rigid with like, I'm a mom now that I didn't think was fair. And at the same time, I 
was surprised that Carrie was sticking to this. What are we all leaving at the door or, yeah. or what, what, what are we letting go of? And, and I get the whole expectation thing. I mean, you know me well enough to know that my problem with expectations is what my problem is with a sure. lot of things. And, but the fact that she was so laid back about this blow that mm-hmm. like, I love you, but, or I'll yep. see you later and later as defined by five, five years. Like what? I just, that was a setback, even though I get from the empowering place of a woman that she's like, all right, well, whatever. Like if it works out, great, great. And come on, I would be rocking in the corner, hysterical crying. If I just sold my apartment, I moved into this whole big palace and I wanted it to be with him and the kids. And now he's like, I'm, I'm basically choosing my kids over you, which again, I don't want to like, you know, get yelled at for that. I know we all should, you know, our kids are so important, but why can't it be a little bit of both? A little bit of both. And there was no dialogue about that. Now, the to Carrie's credit, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the loss of big after she, it was almost like Aiden shook her. Okay. Right. The reality happened. Aiden was being a little selfish okay. in this dynamic, in my opinion. And, but that was like the shake that Carrie needed to kind of wake up from the fantasy because she did say like, I'm not going to have expectations. And when you've lost somebody, you realize how fragile life is. And I, I mean, I didn't get the sense that she's sitting in the corner waiting those five years. I don't know, but it was kind of like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But like, if you now are reunited with someone who is supposed to be like, the, the runner-up love of your life. No, well, the runner-up. Well, <laughs> love she's of saying your life. No, but she's not okay. the runner-up because, I mean, yes, in practicality, she was the runner-up oh. because she, you know, she married Big first, but now she's saying Big was a mistake. So it's not really the runner-up. It was okay, really fine. the lead. Then, to but... your point, okay, fine. So now he's the lead, right? He wins the prize. Here's the gold star. But yet she's not even going to well, negotiate. move there or right. I come more. Negotiate. And, and she say that. But then he was just like, well, no, like, cause I, my focus would, that's the part of in the real world in 2023, that just seems so old fashioned that like, what, what, what is it? The pony express, you're going away to war and like, you'll write a letter here and there. And like, I hope you're there and you tie a yellow ribbon around the tree. Like he was being a narcissist. It was about him. He didn't want to go into the apartment. Carrie gave it up. Okay. He had to go home when, you know, the wife called or the ex-wife called or whatever it was. And like just left and went, which we all would do for our kid and then sat there and cried to Carrie and Carrie was supportive and loving, didn't come to her dinner, her going away dinner that was only a going away dinner or the last supper or whatever she called it Mm -hmm. because he wouldn't go into her apartment and had she had to buy this whole new apartment and give up the safe place. Another huge loss in her life for what she thought was this game. She didn't want this. He wanted this. Right. And then. Hey, I love you. I want to be with you. 10 years goes like this. And five years, our listeners can't see this, but he does a little not um, half, half of half, a snap. Half right. a snap, right? It's going to go so fast. Yeah, because you have freaking kids and you're going to every year see your child growing up and mm-hmm. they mark the time of how fast it goes. And your life is not changing at all. But now Carrie is going to have to sit here in a city by herself pining for a guy that's so far away and you were resistant to any type of compromise. So to me, that screams, this is about me, Carrie, not about you. I'm calling the shots. And she woke up and was like, I can't. 
I can't mm. do this right now. I have to just see what happens. And so then, then again, I guess we're also now supposed to then marvel in her strength as a grown up, as a woman right? As someone who is evolved and give her credit for that. And then back to like reality. I don't know. Maybe she's a lot stronger than I am. I would be crying in the corner. I I would be crushed. And that's why I I, I feel like, and again, I, you know, we analyze this. I I want Aaron Starr and and Candace here, right? So like on uh, as gas, like what was really going through your head? Cause Mm -hmm. I bet none of this was right. And Mm -hmm. they're loving all of our projections onto it. Yeah. But to me, it's like, Maybe that was the shake. Maybe this was a what I'm going to call a transferential relationship where she was projecting onto him as the the white knight and and the savior and the safety. I mean, listen, we could probably talk about this a lot and it is something that we should we should discuss with the audience and, and we very well may do that. But before we do that, I think that I mean, how do we not round this up with two things? Number one, and not that I thought I was going to bring this up, but when we we're talking about Barbie before and on the episode that we actually did on Barbie, Charlotte's little speech in the last episode to Harry about, you know, when he said he's doing everything and she mm-hmm. came right back at him and was like, you're not doing everything, right? You do mm-hmm. half of this and half of that. And you're really just pitching in now for something that women, mothers, wives, whatnot, have been expected to do. And guess what? I love you and I love the kids, but I love me too. And I love my job and I need mm-hmm. my identity and like pony up, dude, like pitch in. And I only bring, and that's certainly not exactly what she said, but that's my <laughs> polished take on it. And it it was a little reminiscent of, you know, the little monologue that America Ferrara gave. And that's why I'm sort of like tying in a little bit this women empowerment thing. And sure, we have, you know, Barbie and Ken dolls in Make Believe Land. And then we have the fashion forward single Mm -hmm. women and as they rise through life, empowerment piece through their ups and downs too. And I just, I kind of like that similarity, but there's no way that I can get through this entire hour without telling you what I was blown away about that I didn't like. And I just, as much as I'm a Carrie fan, to me, it's oil and water and I'm not down for it. And I want to know if you know what I'm going to say. I don't know, but I was going to go with the cat. Yes, the cat. I, know. I was like, ew. <laughs> ew. Sorry to the cat lovers out there, but like... Oh my God, I am so skeeved out. Me and too. I, I mean, really, like that's going to be your quasi baby now because you never had a baby or your apartment that was your baby, you've now given up for adoption. That the cat, like, ew, ew. I knew you were going to go. Ew. And I didn't know you were going to go there, but I had yeah. that same reaction. It just seemed oh, planted. So not carry. Yeah. Planted, similar to how I felt about some of the topics that were just. It is okay, and to go back to how we started, it is okay to talk about these topics, and it is okay to explore them and discuss them and have characters that are living with the evolution of it. I just felt every single one of them was thrown in so deep and so down our throats that you're almost choking on it, and therefore it felt inauthentic, just Mm -hmm. like how the cat felt so inauthentic to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to come full circle, that's maybe I'm saying it differently than I said it at the beginning, but that's what I feel. I'm open to discussing all of these topics. They're important topics. And I believe everybody is allowed to feel what they feel and do what they do, but we don't have to shove it down or make it look inauthentic Mm -hmm. to make a point. That's all. 
Yeah. And what's interesting too, and this is where I think we should throw it to the audience, is that we agree and disagree on a lot of different things because they did pack in a lot. So much. But you can see it through a couple different lenses. And I wonder, you know, what the listeners out there have to say on it, whether it's the Aiden Carey thing, whether it's Miranda and her identity crisis and where she's going to land, God only knows, whether it's Charlotte and her metamorphosis of, you know, her Park Avenue lifestyle, but yet with two children, one who is adopted and one who is now transitioning and, you know, is having he or she or they or him or however we're supposed to reference this child with the whole, you know, pronoun situation to look, we didn't, we didn't even touch on Anthony Mm -hmm. and the boyfriend Mm -hmm. situation and his vulnerability. And then of course we really just skim the surface with the seat with Seema, who's the new Samantha. And we didn't even talk about Samantha coming back. Oh my God. I was blown away. At the end. I was blown away. I'm like, wait, did they cut that from previous episodes and patch it all together? Or was that really her? Because, you know, I had heard about how awful the ending of that relationship and that dynamic had gone. I was shocked, shocked that they negotiated something. I am betting she got paid a fortune, a fortune to come on and do that. Yeah. Well, and in a way, it is kind of nice because it brought full circle the fact that that apartment Mm -hmm. really was the fifth best friend from the ultimate original foursome. Mm -hmm. And for her to pay homage to the apartment, I think was a a very smart idea. Whatever the negotiation was to get her back on, good for her. It also just the behind the scenes, I think, you know, the irony is not lost on me that watching a show like this, how the, these friendships has, have, you know, we keep using the word evolve, but how these friendships have grown and evolved over the years from young single women to middle-aged women now, some married, some not, some divorced, some, you know, widowed, whatever. The fact that there's murky water in real life, the actors that portray these characters mm-hmm. and that we as fans have been privy to the the news reporting on all that. So that was interesting to see how it was going to play out. Sure. And true confession on my part, I always sit there when I know that there's a couple on a show that actually have dated and had a fallout or they actually hate each other or within a friend group, one of the friends doesn't get along with all of them. And I sit there and I'm watching them as the actors and the actresses trying to pick up on the nonverbals of whether or not that dynamic of hatred or dislike or whatever is playing out. Out. And yeah. I do obsess about that when I watch it. Yeah. There's a little bit of a view of what Dr. Boca is thinking all mm-hmm. the time, right? But I'm watching it and I'm like, can you see it? Can you really see it? Is this really tabloid or is this really true? So yeah. I did yeah. find the fact that she came back to be very cool and was analyzing it, if I'm being yeah. honest. And, well, and I'm not a therapist, but I was doing that too, because I was thinking to myself, like, if they really can't stand each other in real life, are they both now, I mean, they're actors. actors are right. they trying to act up to each right. other and be, be better? so better? Yeah, exactly. Like, be better than each other and lay it on so thick and do their job exponentially greater because they can't stand each other? Right. Or how did it play out? Or sometimes the media, they they create something that isn't nearly as vindictive in hatred as it really is, or, or maybe it is in this case. I mean, we just don't know. Right. Um, so yes, I watched both of them 
through the lens of them as Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker. Right. Not in that dynamic. Right. Yeah. And so me too. And I got to say, I mean, look, I was a little hard on the show, you know, and I tend to be because I like to balance everything out. You know, everybody loves the show. So I like to play the devil's advocate sometime and call attention to the things. But the truth is, we just spent an hour talking about the show. Right. So kudos to whether the wokeism was too woke or the lack of realism was not real enough or they didn't go deep enough or it was too deep, whatever the case may be. We literally spent an hour talking and analyzing the show and our listeners are going to have a billion comments that they analyzed it totally different and the message is going out. And so good publicity, bad publicity, Mm -hmm. positives, negatives, it all matters. It's all publicity and it's all building the brand of the show. So kudos to the, you know, to Candace and Darren and like as though they're my best friends. Kudos to you guys. Yeah. Congrats, guys. (laughs) And just so you know, and we'll round it out at this, there will be a season three I have read. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see where the chips fall and maybe they should listen to Unpolished Therapy. We'll send send them the podcast and uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Maybe that. And just like that. Darren Starr and Candace Bushnell are going to rewrite their characters with different endings because Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. <laughs> Boca put in their, you know, four cents. Their four cents. I love it. I love it. Well, with that being said, I want to thank you for spending Thanks. time with me. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in. And we really do want to hear what you have to say on this topic. This is definitely uh, an unpolished topic and one that I think in terms of our demographic, you who wasn't watching this season and, you know, whether you didn't like it initially, but then it got exponentially better as the episodes went on or maybe vice versa. We want to hear from you. So let us know your thoughts, your comments, your concerns, the good, the bad, and everything in between. You can find us at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. You know, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Unpolished Therapy. And we're here every Wednesday on the corner of Audacity and Advice. Our wheels today got spun upside down. Maybe yours did too. But we will see you next week when we ditch the couch, grab the mics, and we break down all the unpolished wreckage. Thank you, Dr. Boca, for hanging out with me today. Thanks, Rach. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone. Like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.